0: hi i'm rebecca roberts hi i'm harriet small welcome to have you got five minutes
1: pr comms and marketing podcast answering the things you'd normally have asked someone really quickly about at an
0: event or while making a brew in the office hi everyone this week we've got a special co-host with us corinna Atrobus is the arts and culture communications officer for Hackney Council and a film presenter on Sunday Brunch. She's previously held roles PR and comms at Picturehouse, Cinema, Virgin Media and ASOS. Corinna is also a film writer, podcaster, founder of the Bechdale Test Fest, a celebration of films that present women in a positive and dynamic light. Welcome Corinna and hi Rebecca. Hello pleasure to be here. Hello. I've had this conversation with both of you and I feel like it's something we need to talk about, which is the strange fatigue you get from doing online events or conferences or presenting online. And it's this sort of emptiness Um, Well, you don't know what the audience has felt you don't know the reaction as soon as the event is finished that's it finish close shut down your laptop and then you're left with all this adrenaline or all this emotion so I don't know if either of you have had this feeling but I know we've talked about it
2: one of the first ones that I did I was doing a talk with the BFI about a essay that I wrote for a book um, edited by Christina Newland it was something that was very dear to me and the BFI had wanted to do a, a thing about it and obviously that's very humbling very nice and you know so I I even got dressed up because there was going to be a actual recording of it and it was one of the first times that I actually put on makeup for a while because this was like quite early lockdown and I prepared and I did all the normal things that I would do if I was doing an in-person presentation went really well and then afterwards that normal feeling of relief was surely there but you know normally I would go to the bar and have a drink and I would get that adrenaline release and share it with friends and you would have I'm all, I'm always second guessing myself I'm never sure if I've done a good job or not so I really like and need should I say go for people to come up to me afterwards and say oh well done that was nice let me buy you a drink and just let the air out of the tires essentially and just relax I just noticed as soon as I shut my laptop I was like okay right now now what my partner was in the other room but I think he was watching a movie or something so I wasn't even able to say hey I did this thing and it was okay and I don't think I messed up but I don't know you know and yeah it just felt really lonely (laughs) really quite sad all of a sudden I didn't know how to articulate that feeling of what it was that I was that I I needed to process and it was only when I spoke to my brother who also does lots of performances online as a poet you know afterwards he likes to feel the temperature of the room because no one really knows how well they do I don't anyway on stage but to feel the 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 natural critic in people is felt in the room that you then enter afterwards and i missed it
1: whether it's a performance or just a presentation there is that that read in the room and you kind of bounce off people and it's probably made me a bit less nervous if that makes sense because i'd have a little bit less nerves Then when I'm presenting like in person, it's just through a screen. You know, there's that Gordon Brown interview where his wife went and he just literally just shut the lid down. I was like, (laughs) do you know what? Yeah, (laughs) I'm done. Like, let's not stress about it. It's done now.
0: I do a couple of stuff with Taylor Bennett Foundation and previously when I've done it, I've loved it. Even when I've done like other conferences and young people come up to me afterwards and speak to me and ask me questions and we have that sort of moment. And then even when you're at an event, you can go out for a drink after and have a chat and you get to meet people. You get to talk about different things. You get to know people. What I've tried to do is I go for a walk afterwards because sometimes I'm so alert so like switched on it is a strange feeling and even when something good happens but then you're just by yourself celebrating this little thing and then you've got to get all your sort of the sort of celebration or the applause, whatever it is, from everybody else on sort of social. And and it just feels weird. There's a certain fatigue to it that is just odd.
2: I think the social media element is interesting because you, sometimes if you're on a big platform, then afterwards you can go to your social media and people have hopefully said nice things. When I'm in my comfortable echo chambers, then generally it's nice comments. But like when I do Sunday brunch... I absolutely cringe after I come off air just to go into the social media mentions. And unfortunately, if I've mentioned something like diversity, I get hounded. But generally, it's quite nice that people have always asked me, like, oh, where do you get your glasses from? Or "What, where, where do you get your outfit from? It's like, oh, that's nice. It's got harder, I think, over the year
1: to build yourself up and be enthused. And it, that it does take a lot of effort sometimes to kind
2: of put yourself out there. I've been watching the BAFTAs and the Golden Globes and my heart absolutely goes out to those that have had to sit on Zoom all dressed up to the absolute nines only to be heard they didn't win. Those guys cannot go to the bar and drown their sorrows in the free champagne. You've got to perfect that loser's face
0: so well. (laughs) got an award from the PRCA. I was told afterwards and then it was on social and then it was sort of like... Do I talk about it? Do I not talk about it? Yeah, and then I tried to log in afterwards, and the event had ended. It was just, I I would have preferred if it was face to face. So, PRCA, I want to redo. So
2: how did you come to love film and TV? I worked for 12 years for Virgin in the end and just seeing such a massive media organisation develop from Virgin Net and celebrating when we had like 10,000 customers to becoming Virgin Media and just to see their progress from becoming an ISP, internet service provider buying up channels and then creating a movie channel and then developing VOD platforms well I joined as a receptionist they liked my writing then they gave me a job writing for the website Skip forward eight years they gave me a job on the movies website, so Flatpak Film Festival in Birmingham, brilliant independent film festival and I got invited as a press trip and went there not knowing anything about the festival and that's where I just saw how the whole city just opened up for all these different storytellers they were screening films in cafes and parks and then you had parties afterwards where you would just have a chat about the films that you'd watched that day with people that also connected or they didn't connect so you always had something to talk about with those people because collaboration collectively, you had all been sharing that same experience. And I came back absolutely thrilled with the idea that a film festival was a thing, and immediately wanted to start working in film in that way. Tell us a little bit more about what the Bechtel Test Fest is, and why it is so important. It's great to be able to talk about it to people that might not necessarily have heard of it, but it isn't new. It's 37 years old now. The Bechtel Test is coined from Alison Bechtel, who is a queer cartoonist in America. She's also a playwright now, but she wrote a comic strip called The Rule as part of her Dykes to Watch Out For series. The comic has these two women going on a date and one says to the other, hey, let's go to the movies. The other one says, the thing is, I only go to the movies if the film passes this test. Now, the test is that a film needs to have two named women that have a conversation with each other about something other than a man. Simple. Three steps, low bar, yet so many films fail that test. And then it was coined after Alison Bechtel. So the Bechtel test was born. I just think it's a really interesting starting point for when we're talking about representation and bias in film. It doesn't mean that it's a feminist film. It doesn't mean it's a good film. It simply says if it passes the test. Now, the films that pass with flying colours are the films that I will screen as part of Bechtel test fest. And the fest part of Betel Test Fest is loose in that we're an ongoing screening collective. I had every intention of trying to make a festival. I didn't have the money or the expertise um, all the experience to do such a thing. Working at Virgin movies in particular, I got a glimpse into how biased the film industry is. And by going to those marketing meetings and seeing how little love and little funds in terms of marketing budgets spent on female led films. It made me angry. When I got made redundant, I thought I'm going to make a platform that hails women and their work in film. And the Bettel test seemed like a good idea. I was working as a journalist at the time and I was writing about feminism in film. Betel test came around as a as a theme and I was just like, this is fascinating. But I came across the Bettel test actually being used as a film classification tool in Sweden. So they called it A-rate. And again, I had some time, so I went over to Sweden and met the person who created A-rate. And she was just like, yep, I've been doing this for a few years now. Film distributors are now getting in touch with me because they want the A-rate classification on their film. Because if it does, it actually seems to make more money. So it was a really interesting use of the test and how it could then be branded and then it, how it could be marketed and then how it could communicate how a film has something more than the uh, singular story that we're so used to
0: as the sector reopens and and things start to get moving again what kind of things do you think they really need to think about with their messaging to really build that consumer confidence first and foremost
2: safety i know from working a lot with my freelance work and having conversations with the cinemas a lot that's all they've done they've made sure that they've quickly got in line with the government restrictions of what they need to do That installs confidence, make sure that they show that they are integral to the fabric of the community. Just from working with some of the LGBTQ venues in Hackney, like they are, they're more than just bars and clubs. That's home for a lot of people. They're safe spaces. They are places where you can just be yourself. And for me, I mean, cinema is where I can be myself and cinema is a place that I can heal and relax And I certainly know that my mental health has suffered from not having access to that. And yeah, so I cannot wait (laughs) for them to reopen so much. Just get out there. If you don't use them, they will grow.
1: Do you think some parts of the arts need to think about how they market themselves to sort of new audiences, particularly those who maybe were outside their audience
2: group before the pandemic? For
1: sure. And I think
2: over the last 12 months, I mean, we've all seen it, maybe I'm being a bit Pollyanna about it. But I do think that a lot of us have realised how important it is to listen to other people's stories and step outside of our comfort zones, reflect on what we're engaging with. And importantly, what we're not engaging with in terms of other people and other cultures and other backgrounds. What people need to know is that if they don't already is that the arts offer that insight, whether it be reading or watching or listening. There is so much media out there. There is so many avenues for information. There's so much insight. And whilst we haven't been able to travel in the way that travel opens your mind and your horizons, film can do that. Books can do that. Podcasts can do that. Stretch outside of what you normally consume. I think with the arts, they would do well to capitalize on that momentum right now that I think is out there. And that is our curiosity in other people. Have you seen any interesting changes um, in audience
1: behaviour over the
2: past year in particular? I have seen people's horizons broaden. What's just won at the BAFTAs is such a breadth of stories this time. And I want to see that momentum keep up for sure. There was no BAFTAs so white hashtag going around this year. There were four female directors in the best um, director category. And it was such a moment to be like, oh my God, this is the first time I've seen women outnumber men in the best directing category. And they had these little clips of what they were doing on set behind screen and just seeing the likes of Chloe Zhao on set directing in this beautiful landscape. I was just like, we would never see this. And this is just so great. And Riz Ahmed's work with Sound of Metal and so many brilliant stories, Rocks, which is filmed in Hackney, here in Hackney, just win so many awards. It just filled my heart. Knowing how many audiences were actually connecting to those stories for the first time in my quite long career now of working in film was very telling that it seemed that people were ready to receive more than what they usually used to
0: what do you enjoy about your
2: role i just love being a cheerleader for people's work i love just platforming the great work and ideas people's different perspectives and helping make that happen because with working with artists you want them to remain artists and carry on doing what they're doing best and their talent of creating whatever it is they're creating. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they also have the skills to do the marketing and the PR. And that's where my work comes in. I I can't make a mural on the side of a building, but I can help people know about it. And that's where it's important that our work connects with artists and make sure that people know about it and that we're understanding how they want their work to be talked about because there's no good promoting work if you don't fully understand what their aims are and what their objectives are and who they want to target and who they want to reach. You know, at the moment, some of the work that I'm doing is for the Windrush Artwork Commission. It will soon see Hatney as the first borough in the UK to have a permanent public expression of honour to the Windrush generation. And that fills me with pride. I am of the Windrush generation as well. And to know that soon there will be sculptures in the Town Hall Square by Thomas J. Price or sculptures in the narrow way of fruits from Ridley Road Market. You know, these are things that I know my dad would be incredibly proud of and my folks in, in Jamaica would be incredibly pleased that we are bringing that all important journey of Windrush and beyond to Hackney in some form of honour way too late, but at least we're here. So yeah, that's what I'm really enjoying at the moment
0: what does one need to get into sort of film, arts or entertainment PR? They need enthusiasm because you have to literally be the
2: hype person for whatever it is that you're shouting about they need patience as well because you are going to be working with people of different disciplines and artists will work in their own time because that's what makes them great and they'll do the work when they can not when we need them to and yeah just language you need to be able to talk about there's an element of critique I mean my work in criticism as well kind of comes into this in that film criticism in that you need to be able to tell an audience why they want to entertain the idea of consuming this and you know people are still skeptical about art if they don't get it straight away and some art isn't going to be got straight away whatever it is so it's also being creative in yourself in thinking of the different ways that you talk about somebody's work
0: Thanks for joining us and everything we've mentioned will be in the show notes we're here to answer the questions
1: you need answers to and talk about the pr communications and marketing topics you care about because we've got five minutes
0: you can dm us or contact myself harriet at comdoveracoffee.com and rebecca at threadandfable.com if
1: you're enjoying the podcast please do rate review and subscribe so others can find us
0: find us on twitter at rebecca7roberts and at harriet small